Good morning. Uh, on a wonderful Friday, a very lovely spring day, we are joined here by all of our faithful listeners to Secrets of the Sire, brought to you uh, every Friday, 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. We've got a great show for you guys this week. Uh, every week we are talking about comics, movies, TV, pop culture, and the like, and uh, this week we are adding another medium to our ever-growing list of places to go find us, which is on uh, Facebook. You can actually go to the Facebook, go to my Facebook page, and I'll be streaming. I have to get it, so Secrets of the Sire will start streaming pretty soon, but uh, for now we have nine live viewers via Facebook, and uh, we've got as always, everyone on Periscope, you can go to at Michael underscore Dolce, and you can check me out uh, on Periscope. So, talking about a lot of things today, but the fun thing is we do a weekly show, so um, obviously it's not a daily show. There are things that um, that uh, happen uh, in between each episode, each podcast. Uh, all our podcasts can be streamed via iTunes, and therefore every uh, podcast app out there. We're also on SoundCloud. Again, look for either Secrets of the Sire, S-I-R-E, um, or you can check us out on our Facebook page, Secrets of the Sire, as well. Um, and a lot of things happen. So a lot of things go on during the week and during the you know inter in, in between. So we've got a great guest on tonight, and we're going to talk comics, digital versus print. Uh, it's a, a debate that we actually started a few. Uh, Year, uh, months ago on the on our blog site, on our sister site, MikeBooks.com. That's where you can get all of my wonderful creations. And uh, i got a great guest. His name is Jim Gibbons. He's part of a new comic book company called Stella Comics, Comics for Your Phone. Uh, and it's it's just extraordinary. It's, it's definitely the next wave of storytelling and the next wave of everything. And it's great, and it's awesome, and we definitely can't wait to talk about that. But then we have something that happens where Prince passes away. And uh, it's the third musician, third big musician. I guess there's been a, a bunch of other iconic guys as well, too. But I count them as the third in the past six months. I go Scott Weiland in December. I know it's not 2016. He passed away. He passed away in 2015. But it was so much on the tail end of 2015 that I'm going to include him. Uh, January saw David Bowie pass away. And now we see Prince pass away at the age of 57. So... It's kind of a, yeah, obviously it's a sad day. Um, it's a sad week. Um, I myself was never a huge Prince guy. So, I mean, everyone's like, oh my God, he was so influential and so impactful. And, you know, for me, it was like, well, I get what he meant to people. I think Bowie's passing meant more to me. And Wyland's passing actually meant extremely way, way, way more to me than anybody else because I grew up in the 90s. Prince was an 80s icon. It's amazing the 80s icons that are just getting so much love these days uh you know springsteen kind of disappeared for a little while and now he is godlike again uh prince prince was back on the music scene but i don't know if he i i guess the 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 thought of seeing him live was still on the tip of everyone's tongue but that's not what i'm really talking about today i don't really care if you were into prince or not into prince um what i did see through all of the outpouring on social media was the fact that he influenced, and Bowie, and for me, Scott Weiland, influenced so many people's lives in such extraordinary ways. And that's why I actually had this argument that I think artists are the most important influencers on our lives. I think it's, it's, it's a bold statement, don't get me wrong. Um, I used to argue with, with teachers out there, and they said, no, 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 it's my job to shape people's lives. And I said, yeah, but you don't necessarily 
always do that. Um, in fact, my life, I can count maybe five teachers out of, I don't know, if you, if you count the level of schooling that I had, what I have, 96 teachers, something around that, that, around that mark. So almost 100 teachers that I had. And at the same time, uh, we are being streamed live. Just want to let everyone, all, everyone know, hello, all Periscope peeps, and we always welcome you every single week uh, at Michael underscore Dolce, streaming via my phone, um, but also being connected into uh, TalkingAlternative.com. And welcome to all the Facebook peeps. It's our first Facebook live stream, but we will actually be um, tuning that into TalkingAlternative.com starting next week as well, too, so you can get the full effect. Going back to, to artists and how they influence our lives, I mean, for me, I had maybe 96 uh, teachers in my entire life based in New York City, uh, went to school upstate New York, uh, streaming live from New York City right now. You, the amount of people that actually touched me and directed me, though, in terms of teachers was, was so minimal, but the amount of comic book artists and the amount of musicians uh, Sam, my trusty engineer, uh, just said he maybe said one or two teachers that really directed him. And that's and that's people that are actually having positive like day in and day out impact on people's lives. But meanwhile, you have an artist like Prince. Now, not for me, obviously, but for so many people, you know, he shaped their childhood. He might have been the reason people pick up a guitar and all of a sudden start working in music. Uh, it influences the next 30 years of people's lives. For me, it was comic book artists uh, reading Jim Lee's. X-Men comics made me want to draw comics. Rob Liefeld's X-Force made me want to draw comics. Um, reading David Michelini's Spider-Man books with Todd McFarlane made me want to read and, and write and draw and just be involved in comics. It completely shaped my entire uh, life. Now, we had someone uh, chime in, Lisa Moranz, if a teacher sees their job as a craft slash art, they will be influential um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Teachers can be influential. I don't want to take that away from teachers, but I actually just say from the amount of teachers that I experienced in my life versus who actually influenced me, who influenced me are people I have never met or maybe luckily I actually ended up meeting them later on like Chris Cornell. You can actually check my interview out on SoundCloud with Chris Cornell. He was an influencer in my life. He was the soundtrack to my college, my senior year of college. Um, got really heavy into Super Unknown, even though it was a record I had owned for a while. It was one of those records that ended up being my playlist for every summer. You know, I ended up meeting him, you know, 15 years later. Awesome for me. That's great. But I mean, how many people out there honestly can say that they've met, you know, people that have influenced them so greatly? They haven't. And that's the power of art. And that's the power of, of being an influencer. Uh, so when someone like Prince passes away, I mean, you can just see it. You can see the impact. Um, you know, it definitely becomes this, like, great and powerful thing. And uh, we thank all the people chiming in. Lisa, thank you very much for chiming in as well, too. And uh, Dave, much better. What's up? Yep, Dave Music. He's got some cool things going on as well, too. So I like the Facebook stream because I can get some real good interaction. I like the Periscope stream because um, interaction is what it's all about. Um, talking on the terms of comics and how it influenced me, well... Print comics definitely were the thing in 90s, uh, in the 80s, in the 70s, in the 60s. I mean, print itself as a medium was a huge, huge um, impact on everything um, that went in my life. But now we see a transition. We're seeing a transition from print. The print industry in general now is transitioning out 
uh, not by choice. Uh, my dad had a great comment that uh, Rupert Murdoch has been trying to sell the Daily News now for years, has no buyers. Uh, because newspapers, I mean, you know, newspapers to me, I one of my favorite things to do from the time I was a senior year in high school all the way to when I was, I don't know, up until maybe five years ago when I, when I you know, got onto the BlackBerry. Well, maybe not five, maybe it's, yeah, maybe about five years ago, 20, 2009 when I had a BlackBerry and all of a sudden I could download a Daily News digital app. I could read all my news for free online. Why would I pay 50 cents for the newspaper and it was a slow transition it was something that actually took a few minutes to do and take me out of but then all of a sudden I'm reading everything on my phone I'm doing everything on my phone I'm checking out all my websites that's really the key right I mean that's it's a slow transition it's a transition into the next medium and digital is now upon us and that wave has now affected comics it's affected music too if you think about it it's not a print versus digital it's a CD versus digital, it's a vinyl versus digital, it's uh, an MP3, a Napster. Hello from France. We have uh, people from France tuning in. Again, every week, Fridays at 11 a.m. for the next few weeks, and then we're actually uh, going to be doing some cool uh, announcements coming soon about a new time slot, a prime time slot. It's going to be exciting. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah, obviously newspapers are becoming obsolete now. Um, bookstores, borders were closing. I mean, we have all these different mediums now for storytelling and it and it's it's kind of it's kind of incredible it's kind of incredible where is the future of our uh storytelling and our stories where are the next influencers coming from now can a digital phone if i read comics on a digital phone is that going to influence me to go want to go draw comics i don't know uh, i know that there was something that i loved about holding a book i know there was something about i loved about the uh you know the traditional uh 128-bit uh, color scheme that you could that you could get uh, in a digital you know in a print medium back in the 90s and in the 80s and uh, you know I know that even when it transitioned into digital comics I mean digital comics are okay I mean uh, you know they're in terms of they're beautiful um, now but I think when I first when they first kind of moved into the Photoshop kind of era that's when it became something a little you know it, it took some time but now we're on this cusp of digital everything. So with that being said, I've got a great guest coming up. Uh, he'll be in the next segment. His name is Jim Gibbons, coming from a company called Stella Comics. Stella Comics are completely digital. So we want to definitely touch on the influence that artists have had on people's lives with him. I want to talk, touch on uh, if he was a Prince fan or not, because like I said, I was not. So to me, his passing was sad in the sense that I see other people sad, but not sad directly, but curious if he was or not. But then we're also going to talk about the digital mediums and, and the changing mediums and also kind of get the lowdown on what Stella is because it's brand new and it's kind of cool. And I know Jim left a high profile job at Dark Horse Comics to move over to this new venture. So it's kind of exciting to see the entrepreneurial spirit as well, see what's going on and um, talk about comic stores in the future. Dave Music just chimed in on Facebook. Comic shops are great places, but for how long before even movie theaters are going to be obsolete? I mean, we've got a range of things to talk about, so I appreciate everyone who has joined us. Low-key Steve, R.I.P. Prince. Yep. Well, you know, of course, no one wants to see their, their icons pet fade away. So, All right, so when we come back, we got Jim Gibbons, but before we do, I want to give some house cleaning updates. Uh, we've got the gang from Bad Coyote Funky coming back to the studio May 6th. We're going to be talking Civil War with them, but you can actually join us May 5th on their show, twitch.tv slash Bad Coyote Funky. 
Um, I'll be joining their broadcast May 5th. It is the weekly podcast they do Thursdays at 9.30 Eastern. So you can check it out. And uh, we'll be doing a Civil War book club. We're going to be discussing Civil War, which, um, you know, my angle is going to be a little different than, I think, what's out there. The politics of Civil War and how I think Marvel kind of got it all mixed up uh, with Captain America and Iron Man. So it's a political season. It's 2016, so it's a great topic to get into. Uh, so I'll be getting it into with the Bad Coyote Bunch, and then they will be joining me here. I can't say the boys from Bad Coyote Funky because there is the lone female representative, and she will be in studio May 6th. And then starting next month, Secrets of the Sire is moving to prime time. Uh, we'll be moving our time slot from Fridays at 11 a.m. over to a prime time Wednesday night slot. Uh, details to come. And... We're going to be doing a special collaboration with um, the 21st Century Entrepreneur, They're the radio broadcast with JC and Joan that follow my own, and they're going to be doing some really awesome, uh, we're going to be doing, we are going to be doing an awesome show that features uh, Ramona Singer from The Real Housewives of New York, so it'll be a really exciting news to come as well, too. So, anyway, Jim Gibbons, when we come back. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We are broadcast live on TalkingAlternative.com every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, uh, at least for the next few weeks. And then we'll be switching to a primetime slot on Wednesday nights. Uh, full announcements to come on that. Um, so for all the Periscope peeps that are wondering why I'm talking as if I'm talking to 10,000 people out there, um, I actually could be. <laughs> and that's the beauty of it, right? We are uh, live. It's on internet radio. It's talkingalternative.com. Uh, we're also streaming on Facebook. Uh, yeah, we had uh, some Periscope peeps uh, who were uh, not as kind as they usually are today, but that's okay. We're just happy they're listening. I want to welcome my guest, Jim Gibbons. Jim, how's it going? Oh, it's good, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, except for the uh, taunts on the internet that I'm getting for uh, not talking back to the Periscope peeps when they didn't realize that uh, we're talking live right now on internet radio. <laughs> so go figure. So talk to me. Where are you calling from, and uh, and how's the weather out there? Because that's the first question I, I want to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling out from uh, Portland, Oregon. 
And uh, as you may expect, the weather is rainy. Oh, yeah. See, that I, I figured as much because we actually, every week for some reason when we did this broadcast, we were getting snowed in every single time. And there was not a lot of snow on the East Coast this year, um, but it was always cold or rainy or snowy. And then it would be like 50 degrees like the day after. So uh, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I've transferred that, that, that weather karma onto, uh, onto you over in Portland. So I apologize for that. Um, no, it's fine. I I think we're just living up to our stereotype, really. That's true. <laughs> How long have you been out in Portland? Uh, geez, a little over six years now. And uh, you were out there because uh, I I got a job at Dark Horse Comics. Ah, that, see, that brought me out to the West Coast. That's what's called a segue. So yeah, so give us a little background, thirty <laughs> uh, second bio. You know uh, your your history in comics for all the listeners out there who might not be familiar with you. Sure, yeah. Uh, I came right out of college and started working at uh, Wizard Magazine, uh, which I know you're familiar with. That's right. That's where um, we met. And I w- worked as the online news editor and then uh, the associate editor for the magazine. Um, and then as they kind of phased out the magazine, they phased out the magazine's employees. I was one of those. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, Dark Horse was looking for a publicity coordinator at the same time. And I made a pretty quick transition over to Dark Horse, moved to the West Coast. And uh, after being in Dark Horse for about a year or so. Um, they moved me over to the editorial department, and from there I went from an assistant editor to an associate editor to a full-blown editor. And uh, about eight months ago, uh, I met some folks uh, at Stila um, and uh, transitioned into a position over there at senior edit- as a senior editor uh, because it sounded like a really exciting opportunity. So talk to us about Stila Comics, um, you know, how long has it been around, what's it been doing, like we're really, uh, you know, it was, it, it's definitely the next wave, and it's funny you actually mentioned that Wizard, um, Wizard phased out, you know, in a sense, uh, the, mm-hmm. the magazine end of it, and that seems to be the thing that actually happens now. Um, so how did Stila come about, and how, you know, how did you like, you know, hear about it and get, get you know, connected with them, and how long have they been around? Yeah, it's it's funny when I was uh, when I was at Wizard, I started and as the online news editor, and then they shifted away from online news to print, uh, which didn't work to the, for them uh, very well on the magazine front. But but now, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've decided, yeah, let's let's go that way of the digital route, uh, as that seems to be the way. So much entertainment is going nowadays. Sure. Um, but Stila, let's see, I. I I came on to Steel about eight months ago. Uh, the company had been around for, I believe, about eight months before that. It's a it's a startup founded by uh, two guys, a guy named Jason Wan and Sam Liu, who come from the mobile gaming industry. And they brought in uh, Ryan Yunt, uh, who's known probably best in the comics industry for his uh, comic book uh, from AIT Planet Lar called Scurvy Dogs. And the goal was to take comics and put them in kind of a more mobile-friendly format because... Comic shops are great. I mean, I love comic shops. I'm sure you love comic shops. Um, but they're just not all over the place anymore in the same way they used to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I and, and as well, you know, it's like I grew up getting my comics when I was a kid at spinner racks in a grocery store. I would have not found comics were Absolutely. not for that. You know, that, it's a um, but, great. That's a great point you actually bring up too, because that's where I, I discovered my first comic book was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Archie comic. Uh, it was like number five, and yeah, it was in a stationery store. Yeah. Well, that was, I mean, that's, that's how I feel like so many people stumbled upon them back in the day. They were just there and they're bright and they're colorful. And you said, mom, get me one of those. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, that's exactly what it is now. Um, and so the all digital concept um, that Stila is bringing to the table, uh, you know, 
how how long how long has it been going and and what's what's the success rate been so far? Yeah, so far it's been pretty good. I mean, we've only been live in the United States for I think it's about six or seven weeks now, so we're we're very young. I mean, we we've been working on our content for a long time because the the lead time of working on comics is like a, a months and years thing, not a not an hours and days thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I mean, we've we've kind of had our big launch. We got a lot of really good PR. Our PR guy Steve Sanu is a champ. He's the best in the business, I think, and. We launched to a lot of uh, accolades, and uh, now we're just uh, in the process of constantly trying to keep uh, five comics uh, running. Five, you know, we, we run five days a week, so we're Monday through Friday. Sure. So that's eight new pages of comics every day. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's all about just keep rolling on the m- numerous projects we have uh, in order to uh, keep providing comics to our readers. So where does the content come from? Um, the vast majority of our content comes directly from our creators. We're primarily creator-owned. We have a, a handful of uh, internal projects that are kind of company-owned properties. Um, but the vast majority are us reaching out to creators that, uh, that, we, that we love, that we think are talented, and asking them to pitch us their stories. And, and thankfully, so many of them have come in and said, this sounds really fun, this sounds great, and people are bringing us a lot of their passion projects. Um, so it's been a real treat to work with so many people on these. We're talking with Jim Gibbons on TalkingAlternative.com. You can log into TalkingAlternative.com. All the Facebook peeps, we were having some technical difficulties, so I apologize. I disconnected for a little bit. We'll get you guys right back on again. But we are live on Periscope at Michael underscore Dolce. Now, the founders of Stila Comics, um, you have an in- that's an interesting model right off the bat that you're talking about, that you're having... You're Averaging eight pages of, of new content a week. Um, as we know with the print industry, artists can be sometimes late. Um, how has that impacted you guys in terms of you know, meeting deadlines uh, and, and just you know, staying on top of your audience? Yeah, well, it's actually it's, um, eight pages a day, five days a week. <laughs> so wow. It's, it's 40 <laughs> pages a week, so okay. it's even, even more challenging to keep these artists uh, on their game. But the, Quite frankly, the, I think the trick of it for us has at least been um, we're working with people on these projects that they really, really wanted to do. So it hasn't been like we're pulling people's legs to get stuff done. Obviously, everyone has some other commitments and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but, you know, most people have actually been working a little bit ahead of schedule. So it's been kind of the opposite of <laughs> what has been my t- career as an editor in the past, uh, where you're hassling on deadlines a lot more. This has been great because a lot more people are just really, really stoked to be working on these uh, series. And thankfully, they've uh, been very timely in that regard. So you actually mentioned it, too. You actually were working um, as an editor at Dark Horse. You were actually on the Buffy and uh, Angel franchise uh, books for a while. So uh, that, to me, was a a bold decision to end up leaving such a high-profile gig. Uh, Talk to me about the decision to do that. Yeah, sure. I mean... Dark Horse, uh, I learned a ton at Dark Horse. You know, I, I Sierra Han, who's now at Boom Studios, was, was my mm-hmm. uh, boss there for a long time. Taught me a ton. So many people at Dark Horse, too. The whole editorial department, I learned a lot from, and it was a great gig. Um, but at a certain point, I think I kind of hit uh, this wall a little bit where I, I knew what I wanted to do in comics, and it seemed like it was slowly becoming more and more... Um, at odds with what Dark Horse wanted to do uh, in comics. And so uh, when I got put in touch with um, the people at Stila, 
it seemed like the opportunity to to go out and and work with all the people I wanted to work with, do comics the way that I wanted to do them, which is the way we currently do it is all your projects are fully creator owned and you make a page rate up front. Oh, okay. So it was a, a good deal to offer to people. Sure. Um and it and you know, it's like I the books that I enjoyed most working on at Dark Horse, while stuff like Buffy and Angel are really fun and they're they're really, you know, a challenge and an exciting project in their own right. Working on individual ideas with individual creators is always what's excited me more about uh, editing comics. And Stila provided an opportunity to do almost exclusively that. So take me through uh, the process for the app itself and, and, and how you guys differ from, like, say, Comixology in terms of the reading experience. Sure. So our biggest, our biggest difference is that we are um, vertically scrolling. So as opposed to flipping through pages with like a left to white, right swipe, um, you're scrolling up and down very similar to the way that you would if you were on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr on your phone. Okay. Um, and the goal there, uh, you know, while it's different than what you see in a lot of uh, the way in which comics are delivered, the goal was accessibility because our hope is not just to reach out to comic book fans, but to reach out the to reach out to the hundreds of millions of people who have smartphones who may be, you know, watching Flash on the CW at night or go, they've seen Deadpool in the theaters and they're curious about maybe getting into comics. They want something a little bit uh, less um, packed full of options than comicsology. I mean, eventually we'll have dozens and dozens of series, but uh, we wanted to make it easy to just jump in and start reading comics. And so what we have is uh, about... Uh, we have our five series that are running in a timeline of what's hit. So you can just jump on the app immediately and you can see what the most recent comic is, what the last week's worth of material are. You click on that series, you get a chapter list of that series, and then you can just jump in. And then one-handedly, you know what I mean? You're just scrolling yeah. through this comic at the bus stop or waiting in the doctor's office or something like that. Um, just like you would if you were, you know, checking your social media feeds on your phone when you have time to spare. So you actually you you brought up a good point and it ties into what we kind of discussed on the show a couple episodes ago was the impact that movies have had on comic book stores and I talked to my local comic book store owner I talked to other people who talked to their local comic book store owner and they're like yeah no it really at the end of the day doesn't really bump sales when Batman v Superman takes in record box office or Deadpool uh, breaks the R-rated uh, record. It gives them a little bush here and there, but then it's like people come in. I, I, my local store owner said, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, great. We had a couple people come in, say, I'd love some Guardians of the Galaxy to read. We give them a trade. We never hear from them ever again. Uh, how are you guys capitalizing off the movies, if you are at all, or, or, you know, what's the target scheme to do that? Because that's been the biggest hurdle, I think, for getting people in comic book stores. But like you said, you have an app. So a phone app, I mean, it's, it's got to be a lot easier to, to kind of grab hold of those uh, of those readers. Yeah, well, and that's that's the theory behind it, right? Um, and we're not doing too much. I mean, you know, we do a little bit on social media to specifically put ourselves in the conversation of uh, some of these movies and stuff like that. But but it's more of a high concept reach for these people as, you know, kids nowadays are are getting like textbooks for school and stuff like that, that they're reading digitally versus the physical copies. Um, it's just becoming the norm for the younger generation to get their media through the phone or through an iPad or something like that. And so our thought process is, you know, it's like, um, or I guess the way I always used to joke with comics, right, is it's a little bit like big tobacco. If you hook people when they're young, you'll get them <laughs> as readers for life. Um, 
And, and, and like I said, if you're not going to get these comics at the grocery store or all these other places where, where kids and, and young readers end up regularly, well, then what if we put those comics uh, where they do end up regularly on the phone? Um, and so that's, that's really the thing that it comes back to is, again, is that ease of access. Um, hopefully, when the word gets out in the way we want it to and which we're in the process of doing, we don't have to specifically target ourselves to people after Deadpool or whatever, we say, uh, you know, hey, uh, just go to your phone. If you were interested in this and you want more comics, you can just search us in the app store and you can be reading comics in two minutes. There's no there's no hassle to it. There's no fuss. There's no going in and figuring out where you start. We make it very easy to figure out where to start on all of our series uh, in the app. Very cool. All right. When we come back, hang on the line for uh, another 30 seconds, if you can. We're, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, I want to hear your thoughts on Prince. I want to hear your thoughts on comics and artists and how they influence uh, people they've never met before. So when we return, Secrets of the Sire. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. Are you looking for a show where people talk about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Well, then you have come to the right place because The Rob and Callie Show is doing just that. For the last 10 years, Rob and I have been having our own version of Sunday morning therapy sessions on the phone. And now we're bringing it to the radio. So tune in and call in live Wednesdays, 8 to 8.30 on talkradio.myc. And that's Eastern Standard Time. So join us. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We're coming to you live every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. We're joined by Jim Gibbons from Stella Comics, and I apologize, I was calling it Stella Comics, but, uh, you know, I can't read very well. I only talk. Uh, Jim, good, welcome back. Um, what, did you, uh, what did you make of Prince? Were you a big Prince fan uh, as we opened our show, just talking about it? You know, um, I was more of a Bowie guy. Okay. So, I mean, but, but I feel like uh, Prince was always one of those artists on the periphery of what I listened to um, that all of a sudden you'd hear a song like, like I always remember delirious. Like the first time I heard the song delirious by mm -hmm. Prince, I was like, what is this? This is awesome. <laughs> and then I had that moment where I was like, Oh, it's Prince. Why do I not listen to more Prince? I clearly <laughs> like Prince. Um, but I mean, it's, I think it's just been a sad year for, for losing a lot of really influential people. And Prince is like, even if he's not your guy in a sense, He's just another reminder of the amazing people we've lost this year. It's been kind of a crazy year for that, hasn't it? I mean, we lost Bowie in 2016. We also, in uh, for me, Scott Weiland was a bigger influence uh, in terms of music. Uh, I was a big Stone Temple Pilots fan, so you know that was at the tail end of 2015. Um, so we opened our show talking about the influence artists have, and um, I personally think there's no greater influence. 
um, than an artist because an artist does not set out to influence people. They just merely do by what they project. Uh, what are your thoughts on something like that? I, I think it's absolutely true, I guess. And, and it's hard to kind of sum it up, I suppose, but... But I've been I'm a I'm big on Tumblr. Like I love I I check Tumblr way too often. I mm-hmm. probably should not be on social media as much <laughs> as I am. Um, but Tumblr is such an awesome community of artists. Like I follow primarily comics people, and when something like Prince or or, or Bowie, when someone so influential to so many of us passes, you just see this deluge of fan art and memoriam art and appreciation for these people and people sharing stories. And then you can see it kind of form like a ripple effect as someone sees a great tribute piece, someone else does, they reblog that and then mm-hmm. someone else does another piece. And, and I think it, you know, I think in many ways, if, if art is supposed to move us, right, these yeah. guys have very much proved that they have moved us. It's an amazing thing too, because I mean, it's just, I, I'm always in awe with the fact that you know, I'm sitting here on a radio show right now talking to you about comics merely because Jim Lee, when he was in his 20s, decided, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a comic book artist. Um, you know, Rob <laughs> Liefeld, you know, people can criticize his art all you want, but when I was 12 years old, it was it was the most exciting thing I'd ever seen in X-Force and New Mutants and, and things like that. And, and reading uh, Michelini's Amazing Spider-Man run with McFarlane and with Eric Larson and, you know, all these great people, they, they weren't out there saying... I'm gonna I'm gonna make Mike Dolce's um, career. I'm I'm gonna actually carve his career for him. I'm going to do all these things, or I'm gonna carve the career of all the other artists that have come, you know, after them as well. They're just sitting there saying, "I need to put food on my table. I need to create comics." And now, you know, lo and behold, later, you know, Jim Gibbons is now working at Steela Comics. Uh, that didn't even exist two years ago, um, and he was working at Dark Horse Comics. And and it's only because of these great artists that we're even employed. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, you have these childhood influences, and then all of a sudden you become an adult and you go, well, wait a minute, why can't I do what they did? But you only entertain that thought because they did it before you, in a sense. Yeah, uh, it's always amazing to me to, to, to see, to like, you know, when you really think about that. And especially, unfortunately, it's a sad reminder when, when uh, our icons pass away uh, that we start thinking like this. But, all right, getting back to the print versus digital debate. Um, this is something that I actually kind of put out there a, lo- a couple months ago on the sister site, MikeBooks.com. Um, you can always read our weekly blog on Secrets of the Sire.com. And you can check out my blog there as well, too. And,. A lot of people had things to talk about with this, and uh, Steve Hovecki actually um, commented in. I'm sure you remember Steve from our Wizard days. Um, he firmly believes mm-hmm. comics, not unlike banking, will for the foreseeable future be driven and supported by face-to-face encounters. People want to meet creators. It will be important to have content, physical content, to showcase at these events. Um, does Stila ever plan on doing things for conventions? Are you doing things for conventions where you're actually compiling this stuff together and handing it out to people? Uh, we are not currently doing that. I mean, we as an editorial team and, and on our publicity folks and everything, we go to shows because because I do agree that FaceTime, uh, at least for us with the people we're working with, is invaluable. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of our deal that we have currently is that um, creators are free uh, to take their print rights to their projects after, after a period of exclusivity anywhere they want. Uh, so they can self-publish their Stila books or go to a company like a Dark Horse or an IDW or Boom and pitch them on doing a print collection of the book. 
Uh, and part of that is because I think hopefully what we're doing becomes symbiotic with the print uh, medium and with, in many ways as well, a site like Comixology. You know, we offer exclusive content, um, but we're hoping that that just helps bring more people into comics. So if that exclusive content brings them in via phone and then they go and they want to go to a comic shop and purchase a print collection of what one of our creators has done. Um, and then that gets them interested in that other creators, you know, other work by that creator. That's hopefully the goal is, is that we can grow the comics market um, at the same time as we're, you know, producing exclusive great content. That's uh, it's funny you mentioned that too because the print versus digital debate always gets retailers kind of shaky uh, a little bit too. They, they, there's definitely some retailers that do it right. There's retailers that you sit there and say you need to be more. Uh, I actually kind of liken the comic book movement to what happened in music about 15 years ago and where we're we're seeing conventions are huge now. Um, we're not seeing you know as many print books being bought and I kind of liken that to like CDs and and then the Napster age and digital age so it's interesting you actually said that though you're not trying to really drive people away from the comic book stores you're trying to work in conjunction with it so that that will actually help all the retailers out there who might have been worried about that um well yeah that's the hope well that's great though I, I love that I love that idea so uh Sam my engineer has a question he says will they turn the digital comics into a video with the artist doing the voiceover are you guys going to end doing some multimedia stuff with this content no the, well the nice thing is right where we're digital um and that gives us a lot more opportunity to evolve and adapt compared to a, a traditional print publisher but at this point at least for the foreseeable future we're doing uh comics in a very as i like to call it a very pure sense you know like just we're scrolling up, you know, you're scrolling down, it's one panel after the next, so every panel is potentially a surprise. You don't have to worry about page breaks. You don't have to worry about pacing in the same way that an artist might have to work on page turns in a print comic. Um, but as we see it, right, like, I don't uh, print, uh, or I guess I should say sequential storytelling isn't broken. Yeah. Um, and you can you can add animation, you can add voices, you can add music. That technology allows us to do these things. But at the heart of it, I think uh, telling stories by putting a picture after a picture and words with that has been around for a very long time. And the evolution we're trying to make is not how comics are necessarily um, produced and how you read them. But what almost how they're delivered to you and how accessible they are and how how easily you can get into them. Do the artists have to conform then to a specific size? So, I mean, are we talking like the the beauty of print, right? Is you can do splash pages, you can do mm-hmm. uh, you know panels cutting into other panels. Bendis, you know, Bendis does his traditional uh, you know first panel to the left. The next sec, the second panel actually stretches across two pages. The third panel is on the right pan side, and then you go you know you go down and it kind of follows that model uh, from left to right. Now, do the artists have to kind of conform to that uh, to a different model because it's scrolling down? Yeah, there, there are some limitations. Um, the width of a phone screen when it's held vertically is the, as wide as your comic can go. Mm-hmm. So what this has led to is a lot more people doing um, longer or taller panels to stretch a sequence, as, which is kind of our version of the splash page. Okay. Um, but the great thing about it is, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with artists influencing artists and stuff like that earlier, is 
the more people we have gotten working in this format of these kind of taller skinny panels and that's not to say you can also do short staccato panels but your width you kind of lose the wide shot sure but you gain all these other storytelling methods on your pacing and and the length of these or the height of these panels and so the the very cool thing is the more people we've gotten working in this format the more you're seeing artists see what other people are doing, see the little evolutions they're doing and the little tricks and techniques they're doing. And that's inspiring them to come up with new stuff. So uh, I think we've been very lucky to see that to the vast majority of people we've worked with. And this was always my hope, but that they've, they've found the restrictions of our format have pushed them to come up with creative solutions. And I think we've got some really interesting stories that have visually come together. We have a book called Breaker, um, by Mariah McCourt and then Kelly and Nicole Matthews are the artists and they've done some really phenomenal and exciting things with this visual storytelling uh, format. Very, very cool. So that actually is a great segue. See, you're, you're wonderful. You're a wonderful guest. You segue right into my <laughs> next questions. Uh, it's, it's as if you are, are reading my mind. Um, how do artists pitch your book? Or are you do, taking open submissions at this time? Or are you just simply, uh, you have what you have and, and you'll be doing kind of what Oni does. Oni Press kind of opens up submissions and then closes it at a specific time. Or is it, or is it free reign? People can pitch you guys at, you know, and how do they do it if you can? Um, at this point, I, I like to describe it as we don't have open submissions, but mm-hmm. we are open to submissions. Okay. And so we're, we're pretty like our content schedule is pretty full for the, for the next uh, six or so months. But yeah, we obviously when we're, when we're putting out uh, 40 pages of content a week, we have to get a lot rolling. Um, but basically with us, it's, it's mostly like we're, we're going to conventions all throughout the year. Um, we're reaching out to people we know or people whose art just, you know, inspires us and intrigues us. Mm-hmm. And then the conversation starts there of, hey, uh, you got a story you want to tell and do you think you can do it in our format and how do we make that work? Very cool. So lastly, how do we uh, how do we get the app? Where are we getting it? Uh, so the app is available in the in the app store. You can also go to uh, Stila.com and uh, and you can and we have we have a Facebook Twitter and Tumblr account that are all uh, Reed Stila is kind of our at Reed Stila. Um, so all of those places, there, there are links directly to the app store to buy the app. Um, you can get it on your phone or your iPad. And then soon we should have a, a web ready version uh, for people without smartphones and a uh, Android version in the, in the next, in the coming year. Well, Jim, it sounds like you guys have a lot of exciting things happening over the next couple months, so uh, we'll definitely be sure to keep an eye out on that, and we'll do a little uh, promotion for you on the Secrets of the Sire Facebook page as well. Jim, I want to thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Okay, when we return, we're going to jump right back into our print versus digital debate. We're going to jump back into artists as influencers as well, and we're going to jump back onto Facebook. So uh, check us out on the Facebook stream as well, coming up next. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. 
Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. TalkingAlternative.com We are going live here, winding down yet another Secrets of the Sire. We are feverishly trying to get ourselves back on Facebook as well. It's going to be very exciting when I do. It's, it's technology. We love it, don't we? Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank our guest, Jim Gibbons, for uh, joining us. We had a really great talk about digital comics, Stila Comics. Uh, it's, pronou- it's pronounced Stila, but it's spelled S-T-E-L-A. So look for them in different comic conventions. Um, we're back on Periscope. We're actually back on Facebook as well, too. So you can go to my personal Facebook page, but then next week we'll actually get the Secrets of the Sire Facebook page streaming this thing, and we'll have the, the uh, show streaming there as well, too. Uh, we brought up some interesting things today, too, uh, not just digital comics and, and print comics. And that's kind of the cool part about, um, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the, of the broadcast, you know, there's a week that goes by. So we have Jim lined up and ready to go. We have our guests lined up. We have our topics lined up, and uh, they're, they're great topics, and they're great of interest, and then something Something like Prince happens, and you have to, you know, address that. You have to address the fact that someone who is iconic, and again, I, I mentioned this at the beginning, I'm not a huge Prince guy necessarily, but that does not necessarily, you know, take away, obviously. Oh, sorry. It, forget not necessarily. It doesn't take away. Um, Sam and I were actually talking about something interesting, though, too. Um, you know, Sam uh, was was more present during the 80s than I was. I was a lot younger in the 80s than um, than than having Prince's influence on me uh, would would allow. And he was talking about the fact that you know those songs were huge. Those iconic hits that Prince had were just were absolutely huge. And for me, the 90s artists actually made it silly to like 80s artists you know I, i'm talking I'm, I'm hitting my prime 12 years old 13 years old i mean this is when you really start sh- you know forming your identity shaping your identity and you know i remember nirvana knocking off michael jackson off the top of the billboard charts in 91 and by doing so you know actually made it uh Silly. It made it made hair bands silly. All of a sudden, you know, hair bands wearing makeup and talking about, you know, like bands like Poison and bands like Guns N' Roses and all these, you know, other bands. Actually, I, I take Guns N' Roses out of the equation because they they always remained cool and were still influential in the early '90s. So I will not. I will actually remove them from what I was saying. But you had all of the, you know, '80s bands and the '80s iconic acts. You know, even someone like Prince was now went from being like super cool to being like well that's not what's what's going on these days and that's not 
you know, the, the, the strange outfits and the strange guitar playing and, and the music. It's not, you know, so for me, that's when I started really forming my musical identity. Um, that's where my head was at. So it's funny to me, I was actually bringing this up recently too, the amount of 80s icons that are just getting the love now, mind you, some of them are, are now passing away, so it, it's it's unfortunate. But, I mean, Bruce Springsteen, you know, bands like U2 and Bruce Springsteen, again, in the 90s, kind of went away. I know some people would say Ak Chung Baby in 91. No, you know, they weren't. They were still pretty big. They were, but, you know, you had that, that time period, and I would say maybe circa 94, 95, 96. Uh, you know, U2 was, was not as big until they, they made their comeback record again was in 2001 when they started kind of resurfacing. And in the 2000s is when all of a sudden all the 90s acts that made it seem stupid and silly to like 80s acts uh, in the 90s, now it became stupid and silly to like 90s bands in the 2000s. So it all kind of goes, you know, full circle and, and cyclical. So it's, it's, it's amazing how you know, music, I mean, we can talk about music all day long. We'll have to do, I keep mentioning it, we'll have to do an all-music episode at some point um, because I do have a vast musical, um, you know, background. Uh, I was playing in bands. The music you hear on Secrets of the Sire, you can actually download off of SoundCloud. It's a band I was in called AGO, um, actually providing that. And um, a lot of cross-pollination, though, with AGO, a lot of musicians and comic book artists. But uh, we were talking a couple different things. We were talking about the print versus digital debate. Uh, Mark Lombardi chimed in on our facebook page again you can check us out on facebook secrets of the sire s-i-r-e so just do a search for that print comics will go away as soon as print newspapers and books do which is to say eventually but not soon there will always be a segment of comic readers in it for the collectability and you can't use a download as an investment or as a collectible now mark brings up an amazing point uh the collectability of comics and again i liken you know it's, it's kind of cool that we talked about music to start with because again I, I liken the music movement um that kind of happened with napster as to what's happening with comics. Comic conventions have become the rock concerts of the comic book world. And that's kind of where things are have kind of moved in the last 10 years or so. The And Steve Hovecki, who also chimed in on our uh, Facebook page, you know, kind of said it as well, too. People want to meet the creators. Uh, I mean, could you imagine 10 years ago, these uh, recording artists, you know, they never had to do the amount of plugging, the amount of marketing, and the amount of face-to-face time. Um, I'm sure people are familiar with a, a site called Pledge Music. Uh, it's basically Kickstarter for music uh, bands and companies. And now, I mean, there's meet and greets. And every show that you go to, if, if you uh, check out shows in New York City, there's a regular general admission price, and then there's a meet and greet VIP uh, for some artists who, you know, maybe are not at the top of the charts anymore, but were very influential or were very iconic. I mean, art used to be put on this platform, this pedestal, and it still is from a from purely a a iconic and work point of view. But now the artists themselves are no longer on this pedestal. The artists have to almost pander to the crowd. And I know we only have about 10 minutes left in our show, but that's a huge change that's that's also kind of occurred. So not only have we seen people, you know, obviously print world, newspapers, books, as, as Mark Lombardi kind of chimed in, you know, kind of fading away, but then you also have the methods in which people are getting their medias now, uh, mediums, media, uh, as, you know, Jim's company, uh, Stila Comics, is, is now changing it. They're changing the exact, they're changing the entire format. It's not even just you're pumping, um, 
you know, a weekly, a weekly series, a biweekly series, or a, you know, a monthly book, which is what people are used to, you're actually pumping out pages and pages and pages of exclusive content, uh, you know, directly to the user. Uh, it gives, it actually empowers the user, and kind of to circle back into the initial conversation, too, of, of how artists influence our lives. Does it, does it strike you kind of funny, too, to say that, you know, I never met Jim Lee, I met him at a comic book store signing once when I was 12 years old. God bless my dad, doing very well after heart surgery, by the by, just for, um, you know, all the good, good vibes to go out across the internet. But, you know, he and I waited in line three hours in the freezing cold to meet Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, you know, all these guys I mentioned early on, and they were really... I mean, these were huge influences, but I never really got to meet them. Now, in order to even survive... You you almost have to meet these people, or they have to meet you. I mean, they have to meet you. And with the phones, and with social media, and with Twitter, and all these these other great mediums, I mean, it's 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 kind of amazing to see the transition. Um, going back to what Mark's comment was, I actually asked the question: You know, are we going to still see limited runs for print? Because the collectability aspect to comics is still something that's very very vital out there. It's the same reason vinyl. Uh, kind of made a comeback as well too, because it's something you can really hold. It's something you can really collect. Um, the artwork is is more brilliant. Uh, you know, say what you will about digital, it does kind of go away. Um, but you definitely see that in print. Uh, there's something there's something magical about kind of holding a comic book and reading a comic book, and there's something magical about holding a vinyl record and and listening to the to the sound, going through the artwork. Um, there's an experience that I think that digital kind of loses now. The younger generation growing up, I'm not really terribly old, but uh, the younger generation growing up, you know, they don't, they're experiencing things completely new. Uh, I've said this on, on previous um, podcasts before and previous shows before, but, you know, I lived in a generation, I grew up in a generation that actually transitioned into the digital age. So it's kind of cool. I can remember a rotary phone. I can remember, you know, dialing, you know, you know, you can you can remember that that feeling. I, I remember that. I mean, I used to talk. I used to, in fact, I used to when I would talk to my friends because obviously you didn't want your parents to hear your conversations. And God only knows what we talked about. But you know, I would be in the in the laundry room, you know, hidden away with the wire as 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 far as it could stretch. You know, so I, they wouldn't be able to hear me and, and hear what we're talking about. You know, now, I mean, you're just you're carrying your phones with you. Kids can do whatever they want. They have access to everything. So they're experiencing these things completely different. And uh, the point we were trying to make before was, you know, the experience of opening a comic book, the experience of, of feeling the texture and feeling that uh, that print on your fingers rubbing off on you, the newsprint rubbing off on you. That's something I miss as well, too. And you also have that with vinyl, you know, vinyl records, the experience of opening the vinyl record. I mean, I, I bought some records in the 80s, and it, were, it was awesome. It was an awesome experience, you know, as a kid, being able to kind of open this, you know, seeing this, you know, vivid artwork. But, you know, is that experience something that we're missing now uh, as, as we move over to a more digital medium? Also, the, the, just the, you know, the final point, the transient nature of digital, the fact that, you know, I can read something and then immediately later, you know, completely move on to the, I can move on to the next thing within 30 seconds after I'm done reading it. The, the exposure to what we're actually listening to is, is, and reading and out there is, is definitely out there. So I want to thank Jim Gibbons again for joining us on today's show. I want to thank all the Facebook peeps that got to see the show live via Facebook streaming, and we will do a better job of getting the caller uh, hooked up next week as well, too. We are living in a digital world, and as such, we're always 
some technical difficulties. Want to remind folks, May 6th, we are having a great joint show again with the group from Bad Coyote Funky. They're going to be dropping by the studio. We're going to have some new members of Bad Coyote Funky jumping in. We're going to be talking Civil War, which we'll also be talking about next week. Uh, I want to start talking about the politics of Civil War, uh, how Marvel kind of messed it up, and why Captain America and Iron Man are on completely the wrong sides. So, again, I want to thank Jim Gimmitz from Stila Comics. Go check out uh, Read Stila and uh, read, uh, you know, comics for your phone. I want to thank the people that chimed in on Periscope. You can always check me out every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern on Periscope at Michael underscore Dolce. Uh, I want to thank Mark Lombardi and Steve Hovecki for giving their two cents in as well. And uh, everyone also be on the lookout for some major announcements. We're going to be moving to a primetime slot starting next month, which will be really great. Uh, I know a lot of people who are into this stuff, on the, at least in the Americas and the East Coast, um, would love to tune in at night, and I can't wait to do it. It's going to be great. It's going to be really exciting. Uh, and we're also going to be doing a joint show with 21st Century Entrepreneur coming up in the next few weeks as well, too. Uh, we have it scheduled for May 13th with Real Housewife of New York star Ramona Singer. So enjoy 21st Century Entrepreneur coming up next. And again, you can download my podcasts. Just search Secrets of the Sire, S-I-R-E. Have a great weekend. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and storytelling? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your brand new radio host on talkradio.nyc. I've been professionally writing and drawing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for over 15 years. Catch my new show, Secrets of the Sire, Fridays at 11 a.m. and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com right now. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And and welcome welcome to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21stCE Radio or Talk Alternative. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 